Due to the dark nature of the object discussed within this episode, listener discretion is advised, especially for those under 13. Robert the Doll has been known to curse anyone who pokes holes in his story. Consider yourself forewarned. In June 2009, a man we'll call Harry posted about his bizarre vacation experience on TripAdvisor. During his holiday to Key West, Florida, he and his family were overcome by the heat wave. They found relief in the air-conditioned interiors of Fort East Martello Museum. In perusing the museum, one particular artifact caught Harry's eye, a hundred-year-old doll named Robert. Harry pulled out his camera, hoping to capture the unique treasure. But a curator quickly stepped in with a warning. He should ask Robert's permission first. Harry smirked, assuming the curator was kidding. He proceeded to take three quick pictures of Robert on his digital camera. But after, Harry noticed something strange. His memory card was wiped. All 50 photos from his vacation were lost, and the bizarre aftermath didn't end there. Harry's family went parasailing the next day, and the guide documented the experience on film. They bought a digital copy to relive the memories, but when the family tried to upload it to their computer, the files were gone. Harry wondered if the doll actually was to blame. When the family returned to their New Hampshire home, things got even creepier. Harry and his children heard strange, haunting whispers in his house at night. That's when he logged onto TripAdvisor to warn other museum guests Robert the Doll was not to be messed with. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. In today's one-part episode, we're covering Robert the Doll, a life-size figurine dating back to the early 20th century. Nearly everyone who's made contact with Robert claims that mayhem, misery, and terror follow him wherever he goes. Some say that Robert has the ability to leave a lingering, destructive curse on those who question him. Others say his power is sourced from a voodoo spell. And some suggest a malicious spirit uses Robert to live out its most violent, vengeful desires. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. 
Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Upon first sight, Robert the Doll is unassuming, cute even. His soft, plushy body stands about four feet tall, and he wears a white and blue sailor suit, complete with a matching cap. Robert's face has small molded lips with a tiny nose and pinprick nostrils. His eyes are round black buttons underneath painted eyebrows. The hair on his head looks real, sprouting out of his scalp like an unruly toddler's. Some say Robert's frock is made of mohair, yarn spun from the fur of an Angora goat. Others believe it's human. Robert the Doll was acquired by his original owner, Robert Eugene Otto, in 1904. At the time, Otto was four years old and lived in a sprawling Key West home with his parents and three older siblings. There's little dispute on when Robert joined the Otto family, but there are a few different versions as to how. Local Key West residents have heard several rumors about Robert's mysterious arrival. Some say the doll was a gift from one of the family's female servants, possibly a maid or a nanny. As the tale goes, a Haitian nanny of the Autos used the family backyard to practice either black magic or voodoo rituals. Rumor has it, she even performed these ceremonies in front of the Otto children. One day, the matriarch of the household, Minnie Otto, wandered into the backyard during one of these rituals. Minnie was appalled by what she saw. The nanny danced around a fire, singing in her native tongue. She banged rhythmically on a hand drum as she spun erratically. Minnie interrupted the practice and fired the woman on the spot. A few days later, the former employee returned with an apology, as well as a gift for her former charge, little Robert Otto. The gift was a doll so large he appeared life-size to the four-year-old. But the present wasn't enough to win back the family's trust. They let Robert keep the doll, but refused to bring the woman back into their employ. This is just one theory on how Robert the Doll joined the Otto family. Some claim a more benign tale, stating that a relative brought the toy back with them from Germany. No matter who the giver was, the doll and boy were instantly inseparable. <laughs> just a few weeks after the doll entered his home, Robert informed his parents that his new toy demanded to also be named Robert. What's more, 
The doll insisted that the name couldn't be shared. Moving forward, the four-year-old told his family he wanted to be called by his middle name, Eugene, and the name stuck. For the rest of his life, even when he became a locally renowned painter, Robert Eugene Otto was known as Eugene or Jean. At first, Jean's parents weren't alarmed by their son's obsession with Robert the doll. They entertained it, allowing Jean to bring Robert everywhere. They gave the toy a seat at the family dinner table. Jean even shared his clothes with Robert. In fact, the doll's now infamous sailor suit likely came from Jean's closet. His parents found all of this endearing, but it wasn't long before things took a strange turn. The sounds coming from Jean's playroom were disconcerting. Jean's parents heard their son's high-pitched youthful voice, but then an unfamiliar voice responded. It sounded unnaturally deep and sinister. The Autos couldn't imagine Jean making that noise himself, not even in play. When asked, Jean told his parents that he was talking to Robert. Over time, Robert appeared to gain sentience. Jean's parents and even a few visitors swore they saw the expression on Robert's face change. He also shifted positions when they weren't looking. The autos felt uneasy, but they convinced themselves it was all in their heads. So Robert demonstrated his power in an undeniable fashion. One night, the family awoke to guttural screams. They were coming from Jean's room. His parents rushed in to find Jean sitting up in bed, shaking. Every piece of furniture in the room had been turned upside down. When the autos asked their petrified son what had happened, Jean pointed to the foot of the bed where Robert the doll stared up at him. Jean replied, Robert did it. From then on, any mishap in the house was Robert's fault. From broken glass to large messes and loud noises, Jean always insisted that Robert was to blame. One afternoon, the Ottos saw another of Jean's toys on the floor. It was mangled and torn to pieces. When the Ottos reprimanded their son for ruining his belongings, Jean seemed crestfallen. He had liked the toy. It was Robert who didn't. Eventually, the Ottos separated their son from Robert. They banished the doll to the attic, despite Jean's desperate protests. It's not clear why Jean loved Robert so much. As the youngest, it's possible he felt neglected by his older siblings, unable to join their more mature games, whereas Robert never abandoned him. Maybe Robert provided Jean with a sense of superiority. Only Jean got to see Robert as he really was. Even as Jean grew into adulthood, he never forgot about his childhood friend. Jean moved to Paris to study painting, yet he returned to Key West in 1945 after his mother's death and inherited his childhood home. One of the first things he did upon his return was head to the attic to recover the doll. Jean brought Robert back to their old bedroom. He then placed the doll in the window where he could watch the passers-by below. 
Children revised their routes to school in an effort to avoid the auto house. They swore they saw Robert in a window one second and in a different window the next. No human could move through the house that quickly. Meanwhile, Gene redeveloped that strange connection with his old pal Robert. He even commissioned a set of custom furniture in Robert's size, including a rocking chair and a table. Corey Convertito, an expert in Robert's history, said Gene brought him everywhere. He talked about it in the first person, as if he weren't a doll. He was Robert, as in he is a live entity. Gene and his wife Annette never had any children, so perhaps Robert acted as a proxy for Gene. But not for Annette. She felt unsettled by Robert. And while she never admitted to witnessing any of Robert's strange activity, she did notice the strange effect the toy had on her husband. Robert became the third wheel in their marriage. To Annette's horror, Jean seemed to revert to an old childhood habit. She told neighbors that whenever her husband did something cruel or disrespectful, he claimed innocence. Instead, Jean repeated the same boyhood refrain, Robert did it. Annette put up with these strange circumstances for over 40 years, until 1974, when Jean passed away. The first thing Annette did was banish Robert to a trunk in the attic. Later that year, Annette then sold the auto home to a woman named Myrtle Reuter. But when Myrtle signed on that dotted line, she became the owner of more than just a beautiful old home. She became Robert's new caretaker. Coming up, Robert delights in torturing Myrtle. Harcasters, you know the world can be chaotic and unpredictable, but how far would you go to turn the tides of favor in your direction? In the newest Spotify original from Parcast, we're taking a closer look at bad omens, good luck charms, and age-old traditions that just might have the power to change our fates. Each episode of Superstitions presents a new drama that unpacks a different belief. Can holding your breath while passing a cemetery save your life? Will carrying a rabbit's foot bring you luck? How can you go through life always avoiding the number 13? And why should you try? They may seem mystical, unusual, completely illogical, but one thing is certain. You ignore them at your own risk. You can find and follow Superstitions free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. To hear more podcast shows, search Podcast Network in Spotify's search bar and find a growing slate of thrilling new series to enjoy. Now back to the story. After purchasing the Otto family's Key West home in 1974, Myrtle Reuter became aware of a haunting presence. She'd heard footsteps and giggling coming from the attic, and after tracing it to Robert the doll, she decided to bring the toy into the main house. Myrtle hoped that this would placate him. She was wrong. 
Anytime Myrtle or a visitor said something negative about the late Jean Otto, Myrtle saw Robert's facial expression morph into a grimace. Sometimes she found Robert in a room or position she knew she hadn't placed him in. She feared Robert was moving around the house on his own. Despite Robert's antics, Myrtle built an uneasy trust with him. They lived together for almost 20 years. It's not clear why Myrtle kept Robert for so long. Perhaps they cultivated a friendship. Or maybe Myrtle was just too afraid of Robert to risk getting rid of him. In which case, her fear was well-founded. In 1994, Myrtle moved out of the auto house to a new residence in Key West, Florida. But Robert didn't like his new home. After a few days in the house, Myrtle tried to exit her bedroom. She knew it wasn't locked, and yet the door wouldn't budge. Myrtle knew exactly what, or rather, who had trapped her. The very next day, she donated Robert to the Key West Art and Historical Society, who maintained the Fort East Martello Museum. The members were happy to have Robert. After all, he was a rare artifact from turn-of-the-century childhood. Myrtle seemed happy to be rid of the toy who tormented her for years, but some think she never really escaped. She died less than a year after abandoning Robert, and while the details of her death aren't public, it hasn't stopped people from wondering if Robert was somehow responsible. At first, the museum curators didn't realize the danger behind Myrtle's donation. To them, Robert was just another oddity to be cataloged, and he made it his business to prove them wrong. Initially, curators stored Robert in a back room until he could be rotated into an appropriate exhibit. But Robert didn't tolerate being hidden away. Museum employees couldn't believe their eyes when they saw a white blur flying around outside the storage room. Apparently, Robert was on the move. He zoomed around a corner out of sight. But the curator in charge dismissed her co-workers' concerns over the possessed toy. She continued working on Robert's upcoming exhibit long after the museum closed for the night. As she tinkered with the exhibit, the curator saw something that made her hair stand on end. She never told anyone exactly what she experienced that night, but... It sent her running out of the building, screaming as if she were on fire. The next morning, her colleagues arrived to find her bike still secured to the rack outside. Robert's curator was apparently so frightened, she ran all the way home. Now that Robert had asserted dominance over his direct handler, he wanted to make sure every person at the museum knew who was in charge. A few weeks later, the closing employee locked up the museum and turned off all the lights. As they walked to their car, they witnessed every bulb in the building turning back on simultaneously. No single person could have turned on these lights. Illuminating every bulb in the place required flipping eight different switches throughout the building. 
A chill ran down their spines as the employees all thought the same thing. Robert. Not long after this incident, one of the museum workers made a strange recommendation. He suggested that Robert be shown proper respect with his own display case. They even gave him a small toy, a stuffed dog. Sioux City Journal reporter Jill Sensel theorized that the dog helped Robert feel like a real person. Now Robert had his very own doll to dote upon. This special treatment suspended Robert's poltergeist hijinks, but not for long. Soon, Robert installed a more sinister practice, cursing everyone he laid eyes upon, including museum guests. At first, Robert's antics were innocuous. For example, visitors reported strange things about the photographs they took of Robert's display. Some guests found their cameras drained of battery as soon as they entered his presence. But when they left the museum, their cameras regained full function. Others found their pictures of Robert came out blurry or overexposed, despite every other photo having developed perfectly. One guest only took a few photos of Robert. But when they developed the images from their Key West trip, all 24 photos were of Robert in varying positions. The guests found Robert's antics cheeky, but the museum staff didn't take the stories as lightly. Out of a sense of responsibility for their visitors' safety, they implemented a set of precautions to assure Robert felt respected. To this day, every visitor who meets Robert must follow a specific set of guidelines. First, polite introductions are crucial. Every guest must tell Robert their name and express gratitude or excitement to be in his presence. Any visitors who want a photo of Robert must also ask his permission first. It's not clear how Robert provides his consent, but if a guest senses that the photo is unwanted, they'd be well advised not to take it. Finally, visitors need to thank Robert for his time before they depart. We know it may seem humorous that any self-respecting guide would enforce these rules, but they're in place for a good reason. You may have noticed that although Robert is a doll, we're referring to him throughout the episode as he. This sign of respect is an insurance policy, just like the rules at Robert's exhibit. They're designed to prevent an outburst from Robert. In fact, many have found that defying these rules can lead to traumatic disaster. Coming up, Robert's curse spreads worldwide. Now, back to the story. Robert the Doll relocated to the Fort East Martello Museum in 1994. After a series of strange incidents, the curators installed a set of guidelines to protect the guests from Robert's curse. But not everyone could be spared. Today, hundreds of letters surround Robert's exhibit. They started arriving after he went on display in the mid-90s, and they haven't stopped. He receives one to three notes each day, but it's not fan mail. It's victim mail. They're composed in several different languages. Some letters were handwritten, others were formally typed, 
A few were even scrawled in crayons by children. Yet there's one thing they all have in common. Each letter begged Robert to forgive a transgression made in his presence. One writer apologized on behalf of her daughter, who stuck her tongue out at Robert during their visit. Another expressed regret over their disbelief in Robert's powers. Every piece of paper represented a man, woman, or child desperately seeking release from Robert's curse and the mayhem he brought to their lives. Some letters detail run-of-the-mill inconveniences, like misplaced wallets, broken-down cars, or malfunctioning cameras. Others convey more life-altering woes, like divorce, lost jobs, or horrible injuries. One writer confessed to taking Robert's picture without permission. Afterwards, the perpetrators suffered bankruptcy, the sudden death of their pet, and they nearly died themselves. In an effort to prove their contrition, some people sent gifts with their written appeals. According to the museum staff, Robert has received candy, money, even marijuana in exchange for his forgiveness. Although Robert cannot imbibe in any of these substances, the curators never consume anything that's meant for him. They fear that in doing so, they'll make Robert angry. In fact, Robert's wrath has been known to extend beyond the walls of his museum. In May 2020, a Facebook user claimed that Robert's curse also applied to any online slights. The Twitter hashtag, SorryRobert, began trending soon after. Twitter users who only viewed Robert's picture tweeted out preemptive apologies after doubting him. In contrast, there are actually a few people who have seen Robert as an ally. Some have written to Robert, seeking his advice on how to take down their enemies. Others have specific targets for him to hex. No matter what the intention, there's one thing every writer wants to know about Robert, the origin of his powers. One expert was believed to have located the wellspring of evil that fuels Robert the Doll, and he found it in the unexpected. David Sloan is a Key West local and a paranormal expert. In 1996, he followed up on rumors of haunted activity in the old Otto house. Sloan expected to hear stories of a ghost or a demon. He was surprised when the home's current owner, Daryl Meyer, suggested they meet a toy. Robert the doll didn't even live at the auto house any longer, but it appeared he still had power over the location. Because as soon as Meyer mentioned the toy to Sloan, the phone receiver in the kitchen levitated off its base. It stretched in Sloan's direction until its cord grew taut. It then retracted back toward the base before clattering to the floor. Despite his years of experience with the paranormal, Sloan was shaken. From that day forward, he dedicated hours to uncovering Robert's history. After researching many different toy producers of the era, Sloan tracked down Robert's original manufacturer. He found that the Steiff Company, a German toy maker, created dolls very similar to Robert. Sloan consulted Steiff's American archivist, Rebecca Kaufman, for more information. After looking over detailed photographs of Robert, she agreed. 
Robert was consistent with other Steiff dolls manufactured before 1912. But Kaufman pointed to something Sloan hadn't considered. Robert's large dimensions. Apparently, most Steiff dolls were only a foot long. But Robert stood about four feet in height. Kaufman believed Robert wasn't mass-produced, but specially made for a window display. In other words, he was one of a kind. A marketing item like Robert would have been very expensive. This meant whoever bought him from the Steiff company was wealthy enough to purchase an item that wasn't officially for sale. This indicated to Sloan that Robert likely wasn't a gift from a servant. Sloan wondered if Jean's German grandfather, Dr. Joseph Otto, could have brought the doll back after a trip to his homeland. But Dr. Otto died in 1885, nine years before Robert was given to Jean. That led Sloan to examine European travel records from all of the Otto family members. He found that Jean's mother, Minnie Otto, returned to Key West from Hamburg, Germany in September 1904. So Robert was probably Jean's fourth birthday gift from his mother. So far, Sloan had discovered Robert's origin story, but he hadn't uncovered any leads regarding the doll's powers. And Sloan's discovery discounted the legend that an ex-servant intentionally brought a cursed toy into the Otto's home. Sloan kept digging until he found something more scandalous than a resentful nanny. He discovered that there were close ties between the Ottos and a black Bahamian couple in their employ, William and Emmeline Abbott. Mr. Abbott initially worked in Key West as a driver for Jean's grandfather, Dr. Otto. And when the doctor's sight failed, Mr. Abbott became his indispensable caretaker. Mr. Abbott remained Otto's close attendant until the doctor's death in 1885. Afterwards, Jean's father, Thomas, hired Mr. Abbott to work as a clerk in the Otto family pharmacy. Mr. Abbott maintained an intimate relationship with the Otto family. In fact, burial records show that both the Abbots were laid to rest in the Otto family plot. In the mid-20th century, an interracial burial place was extremely unusual. This personal and permanent sign of commitment shows the closeness between the two families. This made Sloan wonder whether their relationship went beyond that of servant and employer. Sloan found plenty of records documenting William Abbott's relationship to the Otto family, but his wife Emmeline's employment is less clear. However, Sloan did find some circumstantial evidence that points to a well-kept family secret involving Emmeline. There are a few signs that Jean's father, Thomas, was unfaithful to his wife, Minnie. Minnie complained in her journals that other women were jealous of her marriage, especially because she didn't come from a wealthy family. Even more damning was the evidence from her father-in-law, Dr. Otto, who instructed his son on how to protect himself against venereal disease. And his advice did not include abstinence. Dr. Otto appeared to support his son's womanizing. There's further documents to prove that Minnie opted out of the family burial plot. There's no way to know for sure, 
but it seemed like she didn't want to spend eternity alongside her philandering husband. Given all this, Sloan speculated that Emmeline Abbott might have been one of Thomas Otto's mistresses. They may have even shared a child. At the time, birth records for black women were sparse, but sometime between 1900 and 1910, Emmeline had and lost her only child. Some newspaper accounts of the Otto family mention in passing a black girl associated with the family. After Thomas died in 1917, Emmeline filed a lawsuit against the Otto family. However, the details and resolution of the case are sealed. Sloan couldn't ignore another piece of evidence cementing this theory. Several people who've interacted with Robert the Doll claim he's possessed by a spiritual entity, and all of them describe the presence as a light-skinned black girl. In the 1980s, a psychic named Poochie Myers spent a significant amount of time in the Otto house. She often spotted a girl who looked about five years old crouched at the bottom of the stairs. The girl wore a white nightgown and a scowl, as if something had just upset her. When Sloan uncovered the possibility of Emmeline and Thomas's illegitimate child, he couldn't help but wonder if their late daughter was the malevolent spirit behind Robert's antics. Sloan also considered a different possibility. Perhaps Emmeline's grief over the loss of her child and passive rage towards the Otto family led her to enact some sort of voodoo spell involving Robert. In this case, Emmeline may have been the nanny who, according to legend, was fired for executing a voodoo ritual in the Otto's backyard. While there's not any hard evidence that Emmeline was familiar with voodoo, this practice wasn't foreign to the history of Bahamian culture. For Bahamians, the practice of communing with the dead and channeling their power can fall under a religious practice called obeah. An obeah expert could theoretically get in touch with a spirit and then transfer their energy anywhere. In Emmeline's case, into a life-size doll. Either the attempt went terribly wrong, or Emmeline intended to generate misfortune for everyone who came into contact with Robert. Everyone, that is, except for Jean. Out of all the people Robert interacted with, only Jean experienced a positive outcome. Perhaps Jean and Robert's mutual affection was born out of love between the siblings, the four-year-old boy and his deceased half-sister. When discussing Robert in the Key West, Florida Weekly, Sloan expanded his theory. He told the newspaper, it's possible several different entities were concentrated around Robert, each of them feeding on the negative emotions and fear visitors brought to the exhibit. That theory was reinforced during a 1997 seance in the Otto home. Participants gathered in Jean's childhood bedroom, hoping to summon Robert. Initially, the ceremony seemed like a bust. Nothing of note occurred during the entire ritual. But afterwards, a few participants tried to go up to the attic. At first, they found their passage blocked. 
Some invisible force, like a tightly inflated balloon, stopped them from progressing up the stairs. But after enough people pressed on the threshold, they broke through and opened the hatch to the attic. Beyond that door, they witnessed a phantasmagorical scene. Uneven, distorted orbs of light bounced around the dark room, passing through the walls and windows to escape. Downstairs, the psychic who led the seance suddenly burst out screaming. There was no sign of Robert physically, but the psychic swears his spirit passed directly through her, and it left her feeling drained in the days following. Despite his research into Robert's history, Sloan offers no hard evidence of how real Robert's powers may have been. He assumes that the hundreds of first-hand accounts speak for themselves. But there's another expert on Robert that presents an opposing opinion. Corey Convertito is Robert's primary caretaker and a spokesperson at the Fort East Martello Museum. Corey oversees his physical well-being, personally removing him from the glass case once a year to monitor his deterioration. She also manages his social media presence and helps catalog all of his letters. She even acts as Robert's living proxy, occasionally responding to letters on his behalf. Corey tries to send some acknowledgement to every child who writes to Robert. She told Atlas Obscura, we feel like Robert would want to be kind to children. When asked if Robert is haunted or cursed, Corey just shrugs. She says, I don't know. I've never had a bad experience with him. I've never felt uncomfortable. Whether there's something to it or not, he just allows me to get on with my job. Corey's level-headed evaluation shouldn't be discounted. It seems odd that someone with so much exposure to Robert wouldn't experience his supernatural tendencies. Perhaps there's a rational explanation for Robert's haunting behavior after all. First, it's important to remember that Robert is an exceptionally large doll. His appearance is memorable and a bit off-putting, a perfect character for your stereotypical horror story. Then there's Jean Otto, who may have been an eccentric and mischievous child, one that didn't like to be punished. So he placed the blame on his best friend, Robert the Doll. As far as Robert's changing expressions and positions, these were mostly observed around the turn of the century. Electricity at the time was faulty. It flickered as much as candlelight. This could have created the illusion that Robert's appearance had changed. Finally, we must consider Robert's victims. It's possible that Robert caused the turmoil in their lives, but it's more likely that those same misfortunes would have happened whether or not they came in contact with the doll. Sometimes it's just easier to handle bad luck when there's something else to blame. There's only one way to decide if Robert really holds supernatural powers or if he is just a creepy-looking doll. And that's to consider the evidence for yourself. Now that you've listened to Robert's story, he may be aware of your existence. Keep a close watch on your foreseeable future. And if anything bad happens, 
you may find yourself reciting the same line as countless victims before you. Robert did it. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back Tuesday with a new episode. For more information on Robert the Doll, amongst the many sources we used, we found David Sloan's book, Robert the Doll, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next Tuesday. And remember... Never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Jay Cohen with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Hannah McIntosh with writing assistance by Allie Wicker, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Hang a horseshoe above your door, keep a rabbit's foot in your pocket, and follow Superstitions free on Spotify. Listen every Wednesday for the surprising backstories to our most curious beliefs and thrilling tales that illuminate the mystical eeriness of our favorite superstitions. 